Independent Hustle. I'm your host, Kathy Spence, photographer, entrepreneur, and brand strategist. Each week, I will bring you inspiring conversations that will help you expand your mind, align with your purpose, and take action towards creating a life you love. Are you ready? Let's do this. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Align and Hustle. I have to say I am feeling fabulous today. Things are opening up here in the Toronto area, and I'm happy to finally go out for dinner in a restaurant and socialize with people in person. Such a big deal. I'm feeling back to normal and, well, somewhat normal, and it's so great to hug my friends and see my friends again. Do you believe that people come into your life for a reason? I've noticed that I have people that have been lifelong friends and some that are new and some that have come and gone. But I believe that every relationship has something to teach me. And this week, I am ecstatic to share my guest with you. I wanted this podcast to be a place to inspire you to elevate your life or your business, but I wanted it to be a place where you felt like you were having coffee with your friend. And this week's episode is exactly that. I sat down with Sarah Gregg. She is the author of Find Your Flow, the simple and life-changing practice for a happier you. We have coffee and chat like old friends. Her book gives insight into the psychology of flow and how we can add more flow to our lives. Sarah is a business coach, life coach, and NLP practitioner. She lives her best life and runs her business digitally from all over the world. I learned so much from her book, from our conversation, and I know you will too. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Sarah Gregg. Well, hello, my friend. Hello, my friend. It's so nice to see you. No, I know. It's so lovely to, to be here and to be part of your podcast. I'm so excited for this. I love your accent. I could listen to you all day long. I'm just so happy you understand it. <laughs> so, Sarah, I'm so excited. I'm so congratulations on your book, first of all. I'm Thank so excited for much. you. This was such a lovely read. Like I showed you for my listeners, they won't see, but I have so many post-its interspersed amongst the pages because I had so many aha moments in this book. It was like you were speaking directly to me. I love that. I wish people could see your book. It's, it's like a work I, know, of I think, art. you know what, I'm, I'm going to take a screenshot of it. And when yeah. I, I post about this episode, I'm going to show show my uh, my post-its but let's start with how you came up with find your flow what was mm. you know what I find really kind of intriguing about this book is, is that it was never intended to be a book um so flow for me was a very personal journey and it really started from a place where um I was really disconnected from myself. I think that's the best way to describe it. I was the type of person that, you know, followed the rules of life, was a good girl, did what I was meant to, um, you know, worked hard, people pleased, said yes to other people, mm-hmm. it prioritized others above myself, but, but really actually took pride in that because I felt like this is what makes me a good person. This is what success looks like. This is what is expected of me. And I followed those rules and they served me really, really well until the point when they didn't. And it was kind of at that stage that I really realized that I didn't know what I enjoyed anymore. Mm. I didn't really know who I was. I didn't know what I wanted from life. And the more I began to ask those questions, the more confused I became. 
and my background is in psychology and science and I wanted to find a different way to live, a different set of rules to live by. But what really attracted me to flow in particular was I loved my achieving side. I didn't want to let that go. I really enjoyed setting goals and striving for more. That felt like an aspect of me that I wanted to keep. So what really intrigued me about flow was that it helped me balance that achievement side because I like that side of me. You know, I wanted to achieve things. I wanted to strive. I didn't want to do it at the sacrifice of who I was or my sense of fulfillment and my happiness. And so I I found this book, someone recommended this book, and in the book was flow. And flow is defined in psychology as the secret to happiness. It's where you feel your best and perform your best. So this is kind of where my love affair of flow started. And I just plunged myself into research purely for myself, never thinking mm-hmm. it would be anything or become anything. Um, it played a role. I ended up in 2016 you know I quit my job I sold my house I sold all my stuff I was like in my mid-30s married became like an instant worry to my family and friends <laughs> they thought <laughs> I was having kind of like midlife crisis but to me oh, I probably was um, and went on this journey and really started with a backpack and a blank page and no clue and I, I really when I say I had no clue I really had no clue It was like throwing out my logical side, that part of me that likes to plan and understand exactly where I'm going and trusting the flow of my life and trusting the process and getting more in touch with the feeling that I don't know why this is right, but it feels right. And trusting that intuition and trusting that gut, which is something we often overlook. And so I I researched flow, fell in love with it, wanted a simple way to integrate it into my everyday life and developed a journal system. And how the book came about is one day in my house in Belfast, at my family home, I didn't have anything to post on Instagram. And for some reason, my journal was on the bed and I'd never talked about flow on my Instagram account before. I'd never shared you know, my journal system. And I really quickly just took a photograph of these like journal pages, put it up on my Instagram account. And um, two days later, I got an an email um, from a publisher in New York who just happened to follow me on Instagram. I didn't know that she did. And she was like, I've read that post. I love this journal system. Would you be interested in writing a book? And so- Are you kidding? That's like a dream. Honestly, a, a total dream. I thought it was a- I thought it was a scam. I really thought it was unjust, you know, I don't know, like, yeah, now you owe me $2,000 if you want to write this book, but they paid me, you know, it's one of the biggest publishing houses um, in the world. And it, it, it's incredible. And I think it's testament to the power of flow and how when you are in that alignment, when you're in your flow, when you trust the process, when you embrace the unknown, mm-hmm. how it increases those synchronicities, how it leads you to those opportunities. That I was just going to see, say that's like the universe aligning everything for you. And look, look at yeah. the result. 
And, and what's really interesting about flow, I think, is it is that space where spirituality and science combine. So we know that when people are in a state of flow, that synchronicities increase. So people and opportunities appear, which is really fascinating. It's something that's been studied, is being studied at the minute by in quantum physics. So it's this almost beautiful state that I think so many of us are looking for you know we're we're taught that achievement and fulfillment are two separate sides of the coin and you have to Mm -hmm. pick one or the other and that it's paradoxical to have both but in flow it's actually you have and you experience both and the more you can find your flow the more you can structure your day around this sense of flow then the more in alignment the more life just flows the greater ease it has does not make you immune from challenges mm-hmm. and there are continual growth points because that is just life. However, it does mean that you're not battling against yourself. You're in alignment, you're in acceptance with yourself and you're able to move with um, greater ease throughout your day. Well, I think this was a synchronicity because last week I released a podcast about um, being your authentic self mm-hmm. and this interview was supposed to be it was rescheduled for like the most perfect time so that we can flow into this episode. I, I just want to go back to some of the things that you said in that segment, because there are a lot of points that you touched on that are on my post-it notes (laughs) because I think, and that's why I think I love this book so much because I think it speaks to so many women as women we're we're natural nurturers. And I know as a mom, and just a woman in general, like when I was living my life as a teen, I spoke about this a little bit last week, but as a teen, I was living for what my parents wanted me to do, what my culture deemed professionally acceptable. I needed to go to a great university, like the best university, do something that get a good job, have the perfect house, do the perfect mm-hmm. thing. And you start realizing that you're living for someone else's life, society's view of what is acceptable. However, I was also the same. I wanted to achieve. I wanted to do well. And and somehow that ambition is a bad thing. Yeah. So this is why I love this book. But oh, and one more thing. <laughs> there was even when I achieved all those things. And I think this is why your book um, hit my heart when you said um, the question that changed everything. Because I I remember having a conversation with my husband and it was, you know, we had the house, we had the life that everyone, you know, dreams of, the two kids, the cars, the home. And I wasn't happy. I was thinking to myself, I'm not, why am I not happy? On the outside, everything, and I'm getting goosebumps from head to toe when I'm saying this. Because on the outside, I should be, and I was grateful And I was so appreciative of what we had achieved, but that happiness was missing. And my husband asked me, well, what do you love doing? Like, maybe you need to go back Mm -hmm. to something that you love doing. And I couldn't think of one thing that I loved doing for me that wasn't associated with being the perfect wife, the perfect worker, the perfect mother, um, running around doing things for the kids, the perfect daughter, the perfect friend. I couldn't think of one thing for me And you had a similar experience that you talk about in this book. Yeah, really similar. I went to this um, personal development motivational seminar and um, it was 
in this large kind of arena and the speaker said, okay, everybody write down in your notebook three things that you love doing. And I just watched this room of people scribbling their notepads. And I remember thinking, wow, I don't, I don't know. And they said, just that you love doing for no other reason. It's something that you enjoy. And I wrote down the three imaginary hobbies that were on my resume from when I was like 16, like <laughs> walking, reading, swimming, none of which I really did. And I left and I was going, I genuinely don't know what I like. I don't know what I enjoy. And very similar, it was in that moment where, and it's it's a very confusing place to be in. Because first of all, I feel a lot of people feel shame around those feelings. You know, Mm -hmm. how can you not be happy when you have achieved, you know, a house? You've got, you know, you're married, you've got a family, you've got everything that is expected of you. We then, I think the temptation is to bury those feelings down because it feels shameful. You feel, I felt like an ungrateful person, you know. Mm -hmm. I was grateful, but I wasn't happy. And I think that was part of the cleanse of, selling everything because I thought all of this is worthless at the end of the day all we want is to be happy and if I have built and surrounded myself and created these structures and armor to protect myself but they're not giving me the thing that I want which is fulfillment and happiness then what are they really worth they're not and I think it. that's an important key I I was happy in some aspects but I don't think I felt fulfilled. I always felt yeah. like there was something more or there was something missing. Same. And I, th- I think, you know, a lot of people experience this, particularly people who are the good girls, you know, and the high achievers and the people who do everything right and follow the list and tick off all the boxes, mm-hmm. but do it at the expense of themselves without realizing, you know, it's not an intentional thing, but every yes that I said to people, you know, every compromise that I made, every decision that I took that was not in alignment and not authentic to who I was, chipped away at me, chipped away at, at, at my authentic self. And that's really, that was a really hard place to start, you know, when you don't know and you can't list one thing that makes you happy and you really don't know what you want to do in your life. It's really scary to look at that. And I applaud anyone who is thinking about doing that, who resonates with that and is tempted to bury it down because it is not an easy path to, to go on, to search for those answers and experiment with those answers. But it is worth it because it brings you back home, brings you back to who you really are. And I heard um, on a podcast, I think a couple of weeks ago, that there's a not many people will choose to sit in silence with themselves and their thoughts because it is scary yeah it's really scary and there's an example of a a study in the book uh, which is there are there's a group that a large-scale study I think it's around 700 people over five different studies and they're all given the option to spend you know six to I think it's 11 minutes to get like by themselves and the majority of people opt to either do a mundane task, so like stack some bricks or, you know, like sort shapes, like something that's not particularly interesting, or give themselves electric shocks. So people would rather 
Are you kidding? Themselves. Uh, yeah, I'm serious. <laughs> they would rather voluntarily electrocute themselves than be alone with your be alone with their thoughts. And when you think about it, how often are we alone with our thoughts? You know, all you have to do is observe people, you know, waiting in line at the grocery store or waiting in line for public transport and they're on their phones or they're listening to something. You know, it's that constant distraction. And the only time we really have alone with our thoughts is before we go to sleep which is why if you struggle and you're repressing a lot of stuff down you struggle with sleep because you have not listened to your mind all day and when it gets the opportunity to chat to you when it's silent it can roar and and rampage because you haven't listened to your thoughts you're not listening to your to yourself and that's what I noticed um when my father passed away I was in my 20s and I realized that life is short and you really need to get in touch with your own values, your own, your own dreams and live every day because you don't want to wake up with regret or you don't one day when it's too late, when you're 90, when you're 85 and all those things that you wanted to do or that spoke to your heart are sitting still on your heart and it's too late to do anything with them. It's a hard thing to do, but I think being seen for who you really are as opposed to what others think that you should be is probably our greatest challenge and, you know, most exciting and scary journey. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not an easy task. You know, mm-hmm. it's the easy route is to is to build that armor and do what is expected and, you know, not step outside the line and not take a risk and maybe not share the unpopular opinion or, you know, say no to that person because it it scares you and you're worried about being rejected. Um, The hard thing is to be true to yourself, Mm -hmm. really true to yourself. But ultimately we know the truth of our lives. You know, we can build up this armor and these shiny, perfect lives, you know, on social media or, you know, present this these masks to people that cover up what's really going inside, on inside. But we know ourselves. We know our inner world is where we really experience everything. And I'd like to, you know, if I like when the time comes to leave this earth, like close my eyes knowing yeah, you, had a, you did your best. You had a good time as opposed to that feeling of regret, that feeling that I wasn't true to myself, that feeling that the interactions that I had with people were were just various masks and that people didn't really love or know who I, who I was and I didn't have the courage to love and know myself. I just wanted to ask, when do you know, in the book you mentioned about being in flow, So, but when do you yeah. know that you've found your flow like what's the difference between being in flow and going with the flow because I think a lot of people think oh I'm just going to go with the flow it's uh, just you know this easy peasy but that's not what flow really means no that's no so flow is really there's two types of flow and the chances are when I describe the characteristics of flow state that you'll resonate with them and you can you'll be able to say yeah I know that feeling And so when we're in flow, our sense of time disappears. So we time moves quickly or slowly. Um, Our sense of self, that inner critic, it also drops away from consciousness because when we're in flow, our attention is fully merged with the task at hand. So one of the most common examples is, do you ever like have a great conversation with like with one of your girlfriends and you sit down and you maybe have a glass of wine over dinner 
and you know you're only going to be there for like maybe 35 40 minutes and then the next thing you look at your watch and it's like three hours have passed and it feels like I'm like that in a photo shoot I yeah. feel that in a one time this this woman asked me if we were going to break for lunch and I said why and she's like well it's been four hours yes so that <laughs> is flow so that is flow it's it's this blissful state and I bet when you finish a photo shoot like that you don't feel happy at the time because you don't feel anything you're just in the zone that's mm-hmm. flow is, in the zone but after when you're when you exit a state of flow you feel really happy feel really good about that interaction you feel almost this buzz and this natural high so that's what flow state is okay. there are micro moments so they're they're small opportunities really to escape yourself you know when you don't think and you don't worry about your problems and you're just you just are it's almost like you know mindfulness but with your eyes open and actually achieving and doing something and the best thing about flow is in that state it's proven that our productivity increases by 500 percent your state of you have a state of enhanced creativity for up to three days after so this is why the achievement state of flow is really important because if you find it you can achieve more in less time and be happier as a result so it's great and amazing that you find um work that elicits flow for me i'm the same like when i write my husband can leave to go to work and then come home and i'm like why are you home and he's like, it's five o'clock. And I might not have even left my desk. I'm just completely emerged in the task at hand. I'm just doing my work and I, I forget to eat. You know, yeah, it's, it's an incredible state. Forgetting to eat is a big thing. I forget it's to eat. It's a big thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the dangerous side of flow. That's, that's the dangerous side of flow is it can totally absorb you um, in what you're doing. But it's, it's, yeah, it's pretty incredible. But I noticed there you said um, in the moment and when I'm shooting, there are no distractions. When you're writing, there are no distractions. So in order to get into flow, do we need to like, do you find that these days so many people are distracted by social media and notifications on all these things that we're, mm-hmm. we're limiting our, our, our chance to get into flow? Yeah, I think distractions can definitely pull you out of flow. It's really important that your attention is fully engaged. However, to access flow, psychologists say you only need three conditions present, which are I have a clear goal. So I understand what I'm doing. I understand you know, what I'm doing and why I'm doing it. Um, I perform it to the optimal level of challenge. So in other words, the the challenge isn't so great that it causes me a level of anxiety, but it's not so easy that it makes me feel bored. So for example, you know, if you're on a shift and you've maybe done it a million times before and it feels boring or it's a, I don't know, it's the type of photography you don't enjoy. I don't know what that is. I'm just going to. I think that's why I keep evolving. I started as a maternity and newborn photographer. I went to dance photography. I went to business now I'm doing brand, business and personal branding photography. I just always seem to to evolve and I didn't yeah. realize it before, but that's because I'm trying to achieve my flow state. 
Yeah, exactly. So the level of challenge then becomes too easy and you become bored and you become distracted and it's hard to engage your attention because you're it's it's starting to wander more. So inflow, the task has the challenge, it's like a Goldilocks zone. It's gotta be just right, you know, not too easy, not too hard, but just enough to stretch your skills. Um, and the thing that I love about that message is I think so often in our instant gratification culture, it's like if I do that three times and I don't get the result that I want, then I drop it and I'm not good at it as opposed, or I've got to go all in and I've got to, you know, do everything perfectly. Whereas in flow, it's like you start where you are, you increase that level of challenge incrementally through just a little micro steps each day. You enjoy then the journey and the the process of learning a new skill but never to the point that it makes you anxious never to the point that you feel overwhelmed and if you do feel that you just decrease your level of challenge and you bring it back down so it's a really nice way to control your state and then the final and last core condition is immediate feedback which is really important for your attention so in other words I understand what progress looks, feels, and sounds like. And I think that's something we often overlook, you know, in our day-to-day lives. We maybe set something on our to-do list, but we don't think about how we're going to feel when we do that activity. We don't think about what we're going to hear. We don't visualize our day, and that's the way that our brain works. It's mm. it's the way our attention works. It, it's the way that we understand when we're in flow, and when we're in alignment, and when we're out of flow. So that's a really, really important core component. And psychologists have found that as long as those three conditions are present, you can feel flow in anything. You can feel flow in washing the dishes. So if your goal was to wash the dishes and your challenge was to do it in a certain time limit, you know, when you knew that success looked like the dishes going in the water and then them being stacked on the dish rack, that is enough to elicit flow um, for people. So it's those three core conditions that make a big difference. And then just to return very briefly to your other question, because I thought it was really good. You know, how do you know um, the different types of flow? So how do you know when you're almost living in flow? So there's that experience of flow that you have in your photo shit, right? But then when you exit that, if you then exit and you come back to the mundaneness of life and nothing in your home life kind of excites you, that's not living in flow. So there's a different process called unified flow which is where you have, you apply the three, the same core conditions, but you apply it to your life. So you set an overall vision or goal for for your life. Mm -hmm. And then each day you do something small that moves you towards that. And psychologists would say then, that is when your whole life flows, that every thought, every feeling, every emotion, every action is in line, is in alignment with where you want to be in your life. And when you do that, everything is congruent. So there's no room in your attention for worries or what ifs, or if they do arise, you can greet that resistance, um, recognize it, work through it, and then let it go. But in that state, that's when that's when your inner and outer worlds just align and they do this almost kind of magical dance and you spot opportunities and you see um potentials and you're more open to life as opposed to you know closed going through the motions and operating on autopilot and you know having a noisy brain whilst trying to listen in a meeting or whatever it is in flow everything is just in alignment i find that if you aren't intentionally reviewing 
daily, it's very easy to get off track and then you get distracted by life again. Which I think is exactly why the journal system works and why it's an important daily practice. Because when I was reading, there is no there is no journal system for flow other than the one that that I've created, but I created it because that was the exact thing I was struggling with was I knew the science, you know, I knew the psychology. And I think often we resonate with those messages. It sounds great, but then there's a gap of like, yeah, but how do I practice that in practical terms every day? What does that look like for me? Because I can listen to a great podcast or hear something on social media or watch a YouTube video that reminds me of the importance of that. But if Mm -hmm. it's not part of my daily practice, I'm going to hear that once. And then in three months time, I'm going to hear the same thing again and be like, oh yeah, I I need to do that. Like I need to revisit that. And then that's defeating in a sense too, right? Because you know, you had to do all these things, but you weren't consistent. Exactly. Exactly. And then you're just on this kind of same habitual pattern and loop and you know, you've wasted time and you haven't created the change or the the self-awareness and you're just on autopilot. You don't really know what you're doing or where your time went. Whereas with the journal system, what it does is it integrates three core conditions of flow into it. So you don't have to remember them. You don't have to think about it um, with some kind of additionality, which is um, the nighttime reflection. Oh, so which is end, what I wanted to talk about, yeah. because a lot of people nowadays talk about the importance of morning routine And no one really touches on the nighttime like you do in this book. So Mm -hmm. please take this opportunity now to expand on this. (laughs) The nighttime reflection has, particularly over the past few months, been um, really pivotal in that self-awareness, self-acceptance, the understanding of some of my, you know, unconscious behavioral lips. But it's your opportunity at the end of the day to celebrate three things that went well you know what did you what did you do that went well today where did you feel in flow look at those look at the rhythm of your own life look at what is working for you what what behaviors do you enjoy what do you like doing what did you experiment with today and all of that reveals just little nuggets of your authentic self like where you feel in that sense of alignment and then also three things that could have been better Now, that can sometimes feel a bit weird to write down your worries before you go to sleep because people are Mm -hmm. like, I don't want to think about that before I go to bed. You know, I'll deal with it tomorrow and I'll put it to one side. But actually, studies show that if you do that before you go to sleep, it gives your brain the opportunity to process it. So you will process it in your dreams. Your brain will, will literally resolve those problems in your sleep. And actually, it gives you a better night's sleep because often we toss and turn in our beds because we've just squashed those feelings down. We haven't honored them. You know, there are no good or bad feelings if something didn't go wrong that day. Honestly, the release of just being honest in your journal, like not, it's like dropping all of those masks. Like my journal is my space where I, I never want anybody to find it probably. (laughs) I'm completely honest. I'm not there yet, but it's my space just to like let it all out and, and say how I feel. And then the power of reading that back to yourself and the perspective that it gives you, it is so incredibly valuable and it's such a small practice to do. And what the system has done for me is, um, not only helped me discover the things that I enjoy, 
helped me move towards, you know, goals and aspirations that I thought were years and years away, like writing a book. I mean, I wrote that down as one of my dreams. And I honestly thought, I don't know anything about writing. I, I don't even know how I would go about it. I've got no clue. Within a year of doing that journal system, I had my first book. And then straight after I finished the first book, the same publisher offer, offered the second book. And I do think that there is something, I can't explain it in scientific terms, but there is something about aligning with your authentic self and bringing your, your gifts and talents to the world and gradually stretching yourself that these opportunities, you know, just arise. But along I love with this. That, I love this. Thank you. <laughs> it's a constant unraveling. You know, I... I'm not the finished product. I will never be the finished product. I am far from a perfect person. Um, you know, I have crappy days. I have days when I learn something new about myself that I didn't realize. And I'm like, oh, wow, wow, you're doing that? Okay, we need to look at that. And that's where the self-reflection comes in. It's almost like just being your own coach, um, your own space to be vulnerable with yourself without any judgment. I think I'm, I missed that part in the book. Uh, about so you actually journal at night and then you reread it back to yourself I reread it back that's like a personal practice for me where okay. I I reread it back like so I, I do that with a lot of the journals so even before I do my nighttime reflection because the, the process of journaling has almost evolved and I would encourage anybody if you know if you buy the book if you use the journal system if you're curious about it you know, it's not hard and rigid, like experiment with what works for you, because, you know, whilst the system is universal, we're all unique. What really helps me is before I do the nighttime reflection, I read what I had intended to do that day. And then I write down how the day actually went, you know, okay. not for a gold star, not for a pat on the back, just like complete honesty. And then there's something about just reading it back to myself, you know, just taking those words in and understanding how I felt it's like double processing um yeah and it's I just find it sometimes a little scary and sometimes amazing and sometimes just really really interesting it's like all these words are the little breadcrumbs of passion and purpose and personal realizations and revelations and it's um I'm not very consistent in a lot of things that I do but with the journal system you know I've been doing it for um, almost three years now and it really is um, like my sacred practice it's just like my space just to be me I I review my I keep journals mm. and I have them all on a shelf but I usually just review at the end of the year I look back at what I had intended at the beginning of the year but I don't do it on a on a daily basis after reading your book I'm going to start doing that on a daily basis instead of on a yearly. I think that would yeah. be much more beneficial. It's interesting just to spot like the little patterns that, you know, and sometimes there's ones that continually emerge, you know, it's really interesting. My audience can't see you, but you just have this light about you. You just look like you are radiating joy. Now, <laughs> and I love your smile on Instagram. I love your smile. Um, you're always, you do, you just look like you're living. So this would be living in flow, correct? Yeah. Yeah, very much so. And that doesn't mean that there's not storms in flow, you know, and I don't, I'm very against, 
I guess there's a lot of people out there selling the dream, you know, Mm -hmm. three steps and you can have it all. I think in life, you know, suffering is part of it. You know, there's going to be upset. There's going to be heartbreak. You're going to lose people. You know, things are going to happen that you don't want to happen. Things will be outside of your control. So, you know, I don't want to sugarcoat anything. However, I think what flow does is it gives that space to just honor that 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 is part of life and let you examine the things that aren't in your control just to let them go and the things that you that are in your control to look at what you can do and that's been really pivotal to me it's it's brought it's brought happiness but I think more than that it's brought a real deep sense of peace of just inner peace that like I'm okay, you know, I'm not broken, you know, I don't need to bash myself to be better. I just need to live and enjoy the openness of of life and who I am and what I'm becoming. And I don't need to know all the answers and to get really uncomfortable with that uncertainty, but to trust myself in the process, to kind of know, like, I'll be okay, you know, like I trust myself now, whereas before I had no trust in myself, like I said, like we talked about, I couldn't even trust myself to pick an activity because I'd be like, I really don't know what it is I want to do. And that's the shift. Or what's the right answer? I always used to be like, what's the right answer here? (laughs) You know what? That is the most common things that come up. Like if I do a workshop on how to journal for flow, people will ask me, what's the right way to journal? How do I know if I'm picking the right thing to do that day? I'm like, you don't, you need to be your own scientist. You need to experiment and just do something. And it is not the big aha moments. It is the little O's that lead there. And to get those little O's and to listen to the whispers and to look for the cues, you need to be paying attention to what you do every single day. And the most time effective way to do that is to journal like whatever journal system you use like if you use the journal system for flow amazing I hope you enjoy it if you use something else great but if you can take one thing away it is pay attention to your day you know not in January review your goal forget about it come back the next year set the same goal wonder where the year went and what you did wrong like life is just in the everyday moments and the more attention you can pay to that and the little micro steps then you're there before you know it because you've made the best use out of every day. And I think that is a message that a lot of people need to hear right now with what the world is going through. You really need to be mindful of where you're letting your mind go and what you're Mm -hmm. consuming with your thoughts. Yeah, for sure. Sorry, It's not an easy task. No. I think um, the... The journal system for flow can really help for that because there's part of it that it's that immediate feedback it's called total flow where you script your day as to what you will see hear, and feel and so if you are really struggling right now to stay off the news or you're really having a hard time you know getting motivated to do that one thing or you're putting stuff off total flow is a really lovely way just to script out your day and work with your brain as opposed to working against it you know we don't come into this world with a manual about how to be a fully functioning human you know we can make it up as we go along we inherit stuff from our parents you know stuff from other people um but we do know a lot about the brain and i think if you can work with it by um understanding 
that you can train your attention to focus on what matters and, you know, release the things that you can't. It can sometimes just be as simple as, as writing down how you see your day going. I was looking for a quote that I heard when you said it's not always easy. When you think it's all falling apart, that's when you're really waking up. And I think that if you are able to take the bad with the good and still keep in, in line with your values and your hopes and your dreams and take those small steps, right? And those small actions that will lead to the big result over time. Because a lot of people I find are really caught up with, you know, this wasn't what I planned for this year. But with your system, if you're still, if you're reviewing and you're in tune with yourself and you're, like you said, in alignment, it doesn't need to be what you planned because you you still know that is eventually out there for you. It's just maybe exactly. not right this time. Exactly. And it's that non-attachment of the outcome. It's like, okay, I'm not, you know, it's not going to be this year, but it could be next. And it's, it's releasing that. And I think, you know, I, I love kind of that, that, that quote that you've just said, um, because I do think it's about, that's where disappointments come. You know, I think so many of us, you know, I can be guilty of it as well, you know, posting on social media, our absolute best lives, you mm-hmm. know, like just showing the highlight reel. And then each of us kind of sitting in our own rooms going like, why does everybody else have life figured out? But I don't like, what is the formula to this? How do I, how do I work this out? When in reality, when you accept the bad and the good and you just go that that is what it is to be a human being, then life can never disappoint you. Like Mm -hmm. life can never make you feel broken. It's just we all face struggles like, you know, I would challenge anybody if you were to walk onto the street right now and I said, go and find someone that hasn't had a hard time in life at some point, you know, maybe not today, but maybe it was last month or maybe it was, you couldn't find one human being on the planet. You know, I know we all suffer on varying scales, but you couldn't find one person that hasn't had heartache, that hasn't had a bad day, that hasn't struggled in life. And I think the more we can just, you know, bring a warmth and acceptance to that, then the easier it is to, to move past it and not fight against it. You know, when we say, well, this year didn't work out how it was going to be, you know, you're resisting life. You're not flowing with it. It just is. No one can change it. So you either fight against it, fight with yourself, or you flow with it and you go, okay, where are you next? Where are we going? What's happening? <laughs> Hence the big smile and the radiating joy coming from you. <laughs> I just love you so much, Sarah. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. Thank, thank you. you so much for taking the time to be here today. And if, why don't you tell everyone where they can find your book and learn more? Yeah. So if you want an overview of the system um, and you want to find more about the book, then if you head over to the website, findyourflowthebook.com, then you'll find my Instagram. That's probably the best place to connect with me. You can read more about the book and um, you'll see a list of suppliers, check out the reviews. And of course, if you've loved this, then feel free just to like drop me a direct message on Instagram. It would be really, really nice to connect and chat with some like-minded people. And for my Canadian listeners, it's at Indigo. (laughs) (laughs) I ran, when you told me that it was published, I ran to Indigo. I'm like, my friend has a book. (laughs) (laughs) They held it for me. I was so excited. I'm like, I know. I love that. I love that. Thank 
you again, Sarah, for being here. Thank you so much for having me. It's been an absolute joy, and I'm so excited for this podcast. I'm going to become its number one fan. Oh, I am so excited for your next book and Thank everything you. that's ahead for you. And I have had to tote goosebumps again because I'm so happy for you, my friend. And I wish oh, you all the thank best. You. Thank you so much for having me. Really appreciate it. Well, beauty, that's a wrap. Thank you so much for taking the time and listening to today's episode. If you loved what you just listened to or know someone who would, please share it. Share on your Instagram by simply taking a screenshot and adding to your Instagram stories. Be sure to tag me so I can send some love back your way. For all the resources and links mentioned in this episode, please check out the podcast page on my website, www.kathyspence.com. And lastly, if you found this information valuable, please subscribe to Align and Hustle so you can stay up to date on the latest episodes. See you soon.